Hey, trivia fans! Looking for an exciting and unforgettable way to add some fun and friendly competition to your events or team-building sessions? Last Call Trivia has you covered. Our unique web-based app allows players to participate individually or as a team, making it easier than ever to bring people together, spark curiosity, create connections, and make lasting memories. Host your own trivia anytime with our new subscription and experience the best in interactive entertainment. Even remote attendees can play along. Check out lastcalltrivia.com forward slash shop for more information. Welcome to the Last Call Trivia Podcast. I'm your trivia host, James, and I'm so happy to have all of our listeners join in on our trivia team today. See, our favorite part of Trivia Night is the discussions that players have and what the question sparks among players when they're talking about the possible answers. See, the connections that those create and the, and the vibe and the energy, that's what we love here at Last Call Trivia, and that's why our trivia players that you're going to listen to here always show their work and talk through the thought process behind each of their answers as we play our game. And speaking of our trivia players, I'm joined today by the Last Call Trivia team, and that would be Omen, Kelly, and DJ. Switch things up a little bit there for our longtime listeners. They're like, whoa, what's going on here? Well, before we get started with the game today, we'll do a quick little warm-up and get everybody's brain working. We hear something new each of our players has learned this week. So I'm going to go ahead and kick it to Omen, who's going to tell us something new he's learned. James, as a proud East Coaster like yourself, I have always imagined the Western settlement of the U.S., the European settlement of the current day U.S., as starting on the East Coast and gradually making its way westward. However, being here in Santa Fe has opened my eyes to some other narratives. Santa Fe, New Mexico, is one of the oldest European settlements in the current U.S. Of course, the Pueblo Indian tribes have lived here since at least the 11th century CE. But a good example is the San Miguel Chapel, which is the oldest church in the United States. Construction began under the advisement of a group of Franciscan friars who came up from present-day Mexico in the Spanish Empire with a group of Tascalan Indians from Mexico. And the construction date is said to be 1610. That's when construction started on the San Miguel Temple, which, Kelly, for you, was six years before the death of William Shakespeare. (laughs) Wow, wow. <laughs> Thank you for See? putting that into perspective. I appreciate that. We do. We that we like those. We like those historical perspectives and the wow, that that really does shock me, Omen, because I would have just being honest, I would have guessed Florida in terms of because I know yeah, like with St. Augustine. Augustine and all that. I kind know. Of stuff, I'm interested so. to do a little comparison. Yeah, yeah. All right. So Kelly, you've kind of started things off here with some reaction to Omen's <laughs> fun fact. Maybe you've got something that's going to draw something similar. Uh, I have a little history, too. So uh, we've had some questions recently about the history of the Olympics. So I did a little research and discovered something I have never even heard about before. And that is that competitive art used to be an Olympic sport. 
Oh, interesting. Hmm. Yes. Hmm. Pierre de Coubertin, the founder of the International Olympic Committee and the Modern Games, felt that a true Olympian was someone who embodied not only athleticism, but also artistic skill. And so for the first 45 years of the modern Olympics, in addition to medals for sporting events, medals were also awarded for painting, sculpture, architecture, literature, and music, all of which had to be based on some sort of sporting theme. Huh, that's crazy. So I could just like picture like, you know, the way people react to like a big slam dunk or something like, damn, that was a nasty jam. Or something. Like, be like, yo, you see that Picasso? Oh, yeah, that was crazy. Uh, so anyway, DJ. Well, I uh, I saw a DeLorean in the wild. It's the first time I'd seen a DeLorean in quite a while. And I got me got me thinking about Back to the Future. So I started diving into some of the lesser known trivia facts about Back to the Future. And I learned that the original draft of the, the Back to the Future script had the time machine attached to a fridge. Yeah. And <laughs> the fridge was driven to the Nevada desert into one of the testing sites for the atomic bombs. And it was strapped to the back of a truck and driven into an atomic explosion to harness the power of the atom to, to create the time travel wow. uh, reaction. And some elements of that are actually still in the script, right? There's the line Marty McFly says, are you telling me the sucker's nuclear? And and Doc Brown says, no, this sucker's electrical, but I need a nuclear reaction to create the 1.21 mispronounced gigawatts to um, <laughs> uh, to create you know the, the time travel. But ultimately, I, it really blew my mind to, to, no pun intended, to think of what a Bruckheimer film would look like with a nuclear-powered, as in an explosion, time travel mechanism. And I really want to see that film. Well, I heard yeah. that one of the reasons that they scrapped that idea was because, you know, kids will get into a refrigerator, and, like they're playing hide-and-seek ah, or whatever, and then uh, meet yeah. an unfortunate end. And they didn't want to encourage children to do that after seeing the movie. So uh, that, that may, may or may not be true, but I heard that was one of the reasons they changed that plot point. Well, there were certainly some uh, product placement opportunities missed there, like Whirlpool <laughs> or Frigidaire or something like that. But they probably wouldn't want to be associated with that either. I'll just share quickly that I don't always add a little fun fact, but this week I really did learn something new. That apparently, you know, I never really knew what bubble baths were for, or like why, if there was a reason behind bubble baths, <laughs> behind just kind of it being luxurious. But they it keeps the water hot longer. So that's the whole point of it insulates the bathtub. Oh, interesting. And I don't the know water's if that's warmer. the sole purpose, James. I well, see. Ke- Kelly always loves to challenge my fun facts. So. I always just pour a bunch of packing peanuts into the bath before I get in. <laughs> there you go. As one does. And that's just, just as effective, really. That's much more effective because you can reuse them. All right. In today's podcast, we'll be challenging the Last Call Trivia team with questions that previously appeared in Last Call Trivia shows in bars and restaurants around the country. Our podcast show has two rounds of trivia, three questions per round, and then there's a bonus question in between the two rounds, and that one's a little bit different in terms of how the answers always shake out. You'll figure that out. We also have a final question that closes out the game. But before we dive in, a quick reminder to our listening audience, if you enjoyed today's show, do us a favor and leave us a five-star rating on your streaming service of choice. If you'd like to learn more about all of Last Call Trivia's products and services, visit lastcalltrivia.com. There's more ways there to get your trivia fix. But this is round number one, and we'll get started. I'll read each question aloud for DJ Kelly and Omen. Then they get three minutes to discuss amongst themselves, decide on an answer. They also need to choose a wager. The point wager options for round one are one point, three points, or six points. And they can only use each wager amount once. So they should 
throw the one on a question that they're really not so sure about and vice versa. The categories for round number one are flags, animals, and celebrities. Flags, animals, and celebrities. Of course, animals can be celebrities, so. And some celebrities can be animals. That's very well said, Omen. Very well said. (laughs) We're flagging that one for later. Okay. Flags, a large copper-colored star at the center of their flag identifies what state as the largest producer of copper in the U.S. Three minutes on the clock. Oh, gee whiz. Hmm. A large copper-colored star in the center of their flag designates this uh, U.S. state, I assume. Question did not say U.S., but uh, let's assume. Well, it does at the end. A large, I may not have finished it out properly. A large copper-colored star at the center of their flag identifies what state as the largest producer of copper in the U.S. In the U.S. producer Okay, of well, I think Nevada has a star, but I'm pretty sure it's silver and not copper. And I think they're also like the silver state or something like yes, that. So I agree. They are. Um, I do remember that Montana, I can't picture its flag for the life of me. I thought it had a, a bison in the middle of it. But I know that they were a great producer of copper back in the day and that towns like Butte were built on copper and not just gold. Um, sure. So that's a possibility. Yeah, just thinking along the same lines, I know Colorado also has a big mining history, although I think they were probably more involved with silver and other precious metals. But I, I imagine that copper made up a, a great deal of their mining activity. But I can't picture their flag. Oh, yes, I can. It's got a big C in the middle. Does it have a star? No, <laughs> with just a C. a C. Okay, so we'll rule out Colorado. I'm just wondering if in the middle of this bison, there's also a star. Because, I mean, Montana just, it makes a lot of of sense from the mining history. Other states in that area that have mining traditions, uh, South Dakota, Wyoming, North Dakota, probably, maybe a little less. Um, Can we picture Wyoming? I can picture the state, not the flag. (laughs) Well, but I was thinking, I was thinking Wyoming might be a candidate because there's not, there's not a whole lot else that, that draws people there. I mean, the, the mining operations were pretty important for the to my recollection the formation of its state so that i i don't know that that, that's what came to mind but i i could easily be swayed to montana as well there's a town called copperopolis Uh, in where well that was gonna be my question (laughs) i don't know if it's (laughs) if it's montana um i love i've been there but i don't remember what state i was in kelly i I think confusion we have learned over the course of this podcast that we are often shooting ourselves in the foot when we don't trust your instincts. So I think that we oh should boy. bet one shiny copper penny on Montana. Agreed. Okay. Put that single penny on there. Uh, I'm, glad it's just, I'm glad it's just the penny because I'm a little It can nervous. be a souvenir <laughs> penny. We'll yeah. grind it down to make a bison on it. So Stretch it out, it out and exactly. Right. There we go. All right, flags. A large copper-colored star at the center of their flag identifies what state as the largest producer of copper in the U.S. For one point, you guys say Montana. The answer, Arizona. Oh, Arizona. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, one thing I know uh, I can throw into the discussion here is that the Arizona Diamondbacks, the baseball team, when they first started, their uniforms had accent like a copper accent and that most must have been teams very would have heavy. like 
well, it was like kind of gold or silver in most teams' uniforms, you know, for that little like edge color. But for them, it was copper. I have to imagine that was why they did that. Now they don't have that anymore. They've since redesigned their uniforms. But I knew that um, Arizona had a star, but I had no idea they had mining history. Yeah, there you go. Animals. The name of what fish literally translates to tooth fish in Portuguese. Three minutes on the clock. Toothfish, Portuguese. Okay, well, I'm not very familiar with Portuguese, but I imagine that because it's a Latinate language, all of the roots are pretty much the same. So tooth would be dent, something with D-E-N-T, dent. Yes. Um, and fish. By the way, nice pun. The root would be the same. <laughs> ha, ha, well done. Well played. Ha, ha, ha. And uh, fish. In Latinate languages, in French, it's poisson. In Italian, uh, pesca, pescatore is, uh, is, is fisherman. So, don't pesca don't? <laughs> don't pesk? Is this ringing any fish bells for you? It's not, but I'm wondering if there's some kind of, like when I think of toothy fish, I think of uh, sharks. So I'm wondering if there's some sort of shark name that would combine those words in some form or fashion. Like, mm. uh, well, a plesiosaur, I guess, is more of a dinosaur than a modern-day fish. <laughs> what's the one that has that large kind of bill on the Oh, that's the front. a swordfish, isn't it? No, no, no. Well, the swordfish has the long, skinny oh, one. Oh, you There's mean one it that has, has the bill with the teeth around the side? Like, with the like teeth around the sides. Yeah, do we... Uh, sawbill fish? It's a, I think it's a sawfish. Hmm. In Portuguese, dauntilus, dauntafish, dentifish, <laughs> toothfish. <laughs> it's not a narwhal because that's not a fish. Right. It's a mammal. You're a mammal. Thank you. James, this is a very <laughs> difficult question, and uh, and I'm feeling a little insecure about my fish knowledge. When you said animals, I kind of thought it was going to be about mammals, where I feel more secure. Yeah. Um, I think we all you're, feel you're more, more on solid ground mammals. there. Um, <laughs> yes. What about like a, a moray eel? That's a moray. <laughs> when you think it's a seal, but oh no, it's an eel, that's a moray. Oh um, my goodness. I, I'm stumped. That was actually pretty good. <laughs> um, okay. I can't, I just can't think of any, fi- I agree with the root salmon. word concept of, of D-E-N-T. Cuddlefish. So I just can't think of any fish that has that in the name. Octopus. Um, Last call. Oh, golly. Okay, at this think, point we just need to name a fish. I think we should say sawfish. Maybe, maybe we'll get lucky and there's there some, there's some kind of a, a trick to this question that we're not thinking James, of. James, we're going to put three bewildered contestants on sawfish. I know. Let's I wish it, you could please. give us a hint, James, because I feel like we could we could like figure this out if we had a little bit more nugget on this one. I know we can't That's get it all not the way the game is played. I know, Kelly, but I love the these game. ones where we can figure it out based on words, and I'm just at a loss on the etymology here. I understand, but look, we'll we'll put three nets. You guys are casting nets at this potential answer here with sawfish animals. The name of what fish literally translates to toothfish in Portuguese. You guys say for three points, sawfish. The answer, piranha. Oh! Piranha. The toothiest fish of all. Piranha. Oh, yeah. you Which know, I, I got us off on the wrong. from the etymology, but we certainly should have gotten from the fact that it's toothy. <laughs> we got off on the wrong well, foot with the, with the etymology. I apologize. The piranha. Wrong tooth. I, I can tell you, there's not a lot of toothy grins on the screen right now, and that's I, uh, just. I wonder if it's uh, if it's re- like periodontics is a 
reference to dentistry. I wonder if it's that same prefix in Portuguese. Uh, By the way, just just something I will note about piranhas. There's always that like kind of like old wives tale of like they'll skeletonize a cow in minutes or something if it wades into the wrong water. But actually, they're apparently scavengers. Mostly they're kind of like the vultures of those rivers or lakes or whatever where you might find them. So not really so much as aggressive as they're maybe made out to be sometimes. But they are toothfish, according to the Portuguese celebrities. What American pop singer's name was inspired by the name of the princess from the 1988 animated fantasy film Felix the Cat, the movie. (laughs) I'm sorry, James. I think I had a stroke while you were reading that. I understand. Can you read that one more time? Yes, and we're going to, if we could please just get some medical attention down to Thank you so much. Um, So uh, anyway, celebrities, what American pop singer's name was inspired by the name of the princess from the 1988 animated fantasy film, Felix the Cat, the movie. Okay. So I need the American pop singer's name inspired by that princess from that movie, Felix the Cat, the movie. Take it away. Okay, question number one. Have either of you guys seen this Felix the Cat, the movie? Uh, no. You have? DJ, you yeah, have. DJ but, has. But what? When I, was a, when I was a kid, and I remember it poorly... It was not a good movie. It was shocking. I, I remember that much. I remember that it was a even even as a kid who loved animation. I remember thinking this is not an enjoyable film for me. So okay, I have so a- we're looking at either someone who was born after the year 1988 and her parents named her this, or someone who took a stage name after the year 1988 and liked this for some reason. So this is going to be a modern person. I think that we're looking for pop stars who came into prevalence in the late 80s or early 90s. Okay, so the first person that comes to mind with kind of a stage name is Pink. DJ, does that sound like a name, like Princess Pink from Felix the Cat? That sure sure sounds like it could be. It would fit with the general, like if you think of Felix the Cat. Do you remember Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? Yes. The cat clock that was hanging yes. in the in the kitchen—that's Felix the cat. Yes, well, that's, Felix that's the cat the, is a cartoon that goes back ages. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but yeah. that's that's I know the who style. The so, cat you, is just not the this '88 movie. Well, but so, what I'm saying is, like, if you think about like that style, yeah. it would lend itself really well to a princess pink. Like that would oh, fit okay. the kind of other options and, yeah. based on the time period. Madonna, but that's her actual born name: Madonna Louise Veronica Ciccone Penn. However, more time she's been married. That's her real Goodness. name. Um, who else? Uh, pop stars. I really like Pink. I agree. I think it's an excellent guess. I think we should. I'm just trying to round yeah, let's out brainstorm our, anybody our else that could come into. Um, there's Ariana Grande, Ariana, <laughs> Princess Ariana. <laughs> just, Last call. Just naming pop stars. All right, I we, think we, we should we don't go have with anybody other than Pink. <laughs> I think we should go with Pink. Oh my gosh, this might be a tough first round if we don't get this. It might be. It might be. But yeah, I like Pink. Pat Benatar. Princess Pat. (laughs) (laughs) Pre-1988. Good point. Let's go with Pink James for six kitty cats. Okay. All right. So six, of course, is the only option that's left. So that was, you know, you didn't have to put a lot of thought behind that. But you did take it right down to the wire (laughs) trying to decide which particular name pop star this could be. We're going to go celebrities. What American pop singer's name was inspired by the name of the princess? From the 1988 animated fantasy film, Felix the Cat, the movie. For six points, 
You guys say pink. The answer, Ariana Grande. No! Are you kidding me? me? <laughs> Are you joking? Oh, wow. You're totally pulling a prank right now. Look at his face. I, He's joking. Wow. I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I love it so much that you guys mentioned it <laughs> oh within literally the last call. <laughs> but the princess's name is Princess Oriana. Oh, Oriana. Just, just fade me, fan. Just fade me. Wow. So, I'm in shock right now. Can I just oh, say yeah. pink I, um, is a much better answer? <laughs> I just got an email uh, from last call, and we're all fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, you know what? I got to be honest with you. I really liked the pink reasoning because Princess Pink, and it's kind of like, you know, Felix the cat. Like, that's very generic in a way of a name sort of. And yeah, Princess Oriana. When you, w Kelly, I was thankfully kind of like getting some things in order over here because when you said Ariana Grande, I was like, oh, are we going to get it? But... Anyway, not yeah, maybe, meant to be. Maybe James should be required to turn his camera off so we can't you know, <laughs> interpolate anything try. for his facial. I always try to keep a straight face. No, but you kept a completely like neutral face. You gave nothing away. Sometimes it's easier than others. All right, so rough first round, but that's okay. We pick ourselves up. But it's going to be really embarrassing if this becomes our most popular episode ever. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, we don't want, if we can avoid, to go into the negative, and that's why we've got this bonus for you. And the rules for the bonus question, I'll let the uh, listening audience know, are exactly like this. The answer is in the form of an exact number on this bonus question. And that makes it tough to get the exact answer, but we give them a chance anyway to get within a certain range. The players, if they don't know that exact answer to the bonus question, uh, what we do is we give them a range so that they can make their best guess as to what that number might be. At live last call trivia shows in bars and restaurants around the country, the top 50% of teams that get the closest to the exact answer win that bonus point. Since our trivia team is not playing against anyone else today, the writing team set a predetermined range that their answer must fall between for them to get the point for the bonus question. I know that range. I'm looking at it right now. The question that I'm asking our team, here it is. How many Guinness World Records does Ariana Grande hold? <laughs> Can the answer be none? So maybe she has a record for something like number of Instagram followers or number of YouTube hits on the release in one day of a song, you know, something like that. She's also an extremely prolific performer when it comes to touring. She is on the road a huge number of days out of the year. And, and is she the one who did like seven continents in seven days? It could be. I don't know that for a fact, but it wouldn't necessarily shock me. I, I don't know if she is touring as much now as she has in the past, but I think when she was touring, she was touring a lot. She also is a former Disney star. So there could be something along the lines of, you know, most episodes in a row shown on Disney. Her her role on the I forget what the show was, but she was actually really funny, her performance in the on the Disney Channel. I also could imagine that for a while she was the highest grossing artist, you know, or the highest grossing female artist, or the youngest highest grossing artist. Okay, you know, so I, a few of these things make sense to me as possibilities. So I would say like three is a reasonable number. <laughs> Yeah, I imagine it's going to be shockinger to us. We always go way over or way under with these uh, with these bonus questions. We have a tendency to go way under. That is a good point. Shortest, highest grossing pop star. Mmm. It's a very specialty biggest, niche. Biggest wig budget. Highest ponytail. Highest ponytail. That, that ponytail does get pretty high. 
Okay, well, let's think about it this way. James confirmed that, as always, there's going to be a range. So even if the range were zero to ten, we could right. still up it a little so that we're still within a reasonable range. Like, if we said three, the range would have to be zero to five. Like, that's a little bit silly for a range. So we could bump it up for that reason. Totally. I think we should say five or six or seven. Ooh. Seven for the seven rings in her song. Mm, I'll go with seven. Okay. Yeah, go with seven. Seven. Seven whistle tones. Seven licked donuts. That was her, right? That was. Thank you, James. (laughs) Okay. How many Guinness World Records does Miss Ariana Grande hold? The team says seven. The answer... 20. Gosh, darn it. 20. For uh, what? The range we were looking for was 15 to 25. Oh, I'm my goodness. 15 to 25. I wonder what, what all of those yeah, records are, are. Forget about, I wonder well, what all of them are. I wonder what any of them are. <laughs> it's a lot to go through all of them, but I can give you a handful. Most songs to debut at number one on the Billboard Hot 100. There you go. Uh, most followers on Spotify amongst female artists. Yep. Uh, most monthly listeners on Spotify, female. Most streamed act on Spotify, female. Uh, we've also got most streamed track in one week by a female artist on the Billboard charts, and that is Thank You, Next. I guess I didn't think that the Guinness Book of World Records tracked so many specific things related to That they to had music. sunk so low as to, <laughs> to list how many well, Spotify followers one has. I agree, s- Kelly. There's only so many most hot dogs in a minute you can stand before you have to evolve into the modern world. You know something? Here's my message to Guinness since they're not a sponsor. Find a new thing. I think we should, <laughs> I think we should say... When you say find a new thing... What does that mean? Find something else to do other than track record yeah, holders? Yeah, I'm saying that the world record thing has played itself out. It's time to move on. Find a new thing. Thank you, James. I think we should have the next round. Well, I there think we, we should Very find something. Said. We can get a Guinness. But I mean, since the bar is now low, we could get a Guinness world well, we record may, in hey. something. We may be looking at fewest yeah. points ever won yeah, in a lowest, trivia game. Lowest trivia score <laughs> ever, Kelly. We're on track we for may, it. So just, we just may hold tight. Fact achieve and, that. We and may as we just learned, that. Guinness will probably track that and put us in their book. So there you also go. Also true. There you also go. Also true. And by the way, I'll just mention that since you brought up the uh, licked donut, Kelly, I, yes. I find it fascinating that that footage was purchased back five, six years ago, whenever that was, by TMZ, and then made public. Because who else would do that? Of course, TMZ, right? TMZ they always is have the first stuff. on breaking news, I'm telling you. They, they really are. They really are. All right, look, we move on to round number two, and the questions in the second round will be themed to a specific topic. Today's theme is famous duos. Oh. oh. In this round, the point wager options have also updated to either two, five, or seven points. Just like the first round, the team gets their one shot at each wager amount in this round. So they get to choose the two, the five, or the seven on either of these, any of these three questions I'm about to ask them. The categories for round number two are crime and punishment, lyrics, and movies. Famous duos, and uh, we're talking crime and punishment, lyrics, and movies. So within famous duos, here's the crime and punishment question. What are the respective last names of Bonnie and Clyde? (laughs) Bonnie and Clyde happen to be a um, particular interest to me, so I'm I'm all over this one. (laughs) 
Nice. Thank you, Kelly. Finally, a bit of luck. I have nothing to contribute on this. I have zero idea. I I've only it. even vaguely know the story of Bonnie and Clyde, like in in a most and tangential sense. And there's a song. Sense. I'm surprised you don't know the song of the story of Bonnie and Clyde. Well, there's also a musical of Bonnie and Clyde. And in the brief window of time when I was really trying to bill myself as a musical theater artist, which was a hard sell, I rehearsed uh, one of the songs from that musical. And I believe in that song, it references the last name of at least Clyde. Is this the musical that they reference in the the Farrelly Brothers movie Stuck on You with Matt Damon and Greg Kinnear at the very end? And <laughs> no idea. It, DJ, unlike in... you, I haven't seen every single film that has ever been produced on the planet well, Earth. Well, well what's you. great about it is they bring in – so Greg Kinnear is playing, is playing Clyde and they bring in Meryl Streep to play Bonnie and it's a little bit of like – it's a little bit of Hollywood, you know, having fun with Hollywood. But they end the movie with this this musical, and there's a song where Greg Kinnear is like, up, 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 and no, like that's, that's the not, song. And I wanted to know if that was the not. actual musical or if that was for no, the movie. No, no, that's what no, I'm okay. asking. No, well, no, no, DJ. Aside okay. from this strange movie, Thank I you. can tell you that's a, what I needed to know. I, I can believe tell the line. you a little something interesting about our friends Clyde Barrow and Bonnie Parker. Barrow, yes. And that is that a lot of people assume that they were married. And they were never married because Bonnie was actually married to someone else. I think she got married when she was like 17 and he was abusive and she never actually managed to get a divorce. But a lot of people think Bonnie and Clyde were married and it never, never came to fruition. Star-crossed lovers. Sad. But regardless, we we can put all of the... Seven getaway cars. Yes. (laughs) On Barrow and Parker. Okay, so let's go ahead. Crime and Punishment, famous duos. What are the respective last names of Bonnie and Clyde? We've got seven shootouts put on the answer, Parker and Barrow. And the answer, Parker and Barrow. Thank goodness. And yeah, actually, it's interesting to note that when they met, apparently, in Dallas, it was at sort of a mutual friend's house or whatever. She was rehabbing from a broken arm at the time, just 19 years old. He was 20. And it was said to be sort of a love at first sight type situation. So... That's what happened for those. If you haven't seen it, go watch Stuck on You. It's great. And there is a movie about... Or watch the movie with Faye Dunaway and... I was going to say, and uh, what's his name? Warren Beatty. Well, also, um, I think Gene Hackman was in that movie. Was he? Okay. That's a great reason to watch it. I'm just saying that Greg Kinnear is criminally underrated, okay? So go watch his movies. Interesting (laughs) to find out your love for Greg Kinnear. We'll have to dig into that one later. Okay, look. Here we go. Lyrics. What Hall and Oates hit contains the lyrics... Broken ice still melts in the sun, and times that are broken can often be won again. Three minutes on the clock. Oh, boy. Wow. Hall and Oates. Um, who were so, they? Look, name some, <laughs> name some so- Maneater is a Hall and Oates song. Yeah. You Make My Dreams Come True, that's a Hall and Oates song. Omen is, um, Omen is dancing right now. He's doing a little, like, shoulder thing. But I'm he's, trying to think. Are you talking about the song, She's a man, eat, da, 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 da. Yeah. Well, it that, that, doesn't exactly sound like that, but yes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the song. It's funny because I I feel like if a song came on the radio, I could sing along with every word. But now that I have to, like, name all of their songs, I'm failing. And, and by the way, James, why couldn't the question be, what are the, the first names? John Paul and Daryl. Because John and Daryl, like, we, we could get that, like, really quickly. Yeah. Well, you've got a little fun fact of your own baked into the uh, question here. There you go. John and Daryl. So, okay, we have Maneater. We have, what else? What are the, what's the other song? You Make My Dreams Come True. It's um, definitely not that one. 
I don't think it's Maneater either. Would you like me to read the lyrics? Yes, again? please. Okay. So it's a Hall & Oates hit. It contains the lyrics. Broken ice still melts in the sun. And times that are broken can often be won again. I got nothing. I got I nothing. I want everyone to know. Oh, man, I, sort of... You know, I really, there are times that I wish the podcasting was more of a visual medium so the audience could truly see the gloriousness one, of Omen. He had the one head, headphone oh, pushed in. He, he was leaning he into like the he mic. He was one of the singers in We Are the World. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Uh, was this the 1970s? My 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 knowledge of music from the 70s and 80s is is uh, limited to a, a pretty. Um, I would wager it's from the 80s. That was the, the height 80s. of their popularity. Yeah. yeah, I would vote Maneater just because it sounds thematically like it might fit. I guess so. And, we and I don't put, know all the lyrics to Maneater. Other than she's a Maneater. <laughs> let's put two I, points. I recognize it when it plays, but I I can't yeah. even sing it. Let's put two vivacious ladies. On man, let's put two cannibals on man eater. Okay, we'll do it. So we've got the two point option. Lyrics: What hole and oats hit contains the lyrics? Broken ice still melts in the sun, and times that are broken can often be won again. You guys say for two points, man eater. The answer: Out of touch. <sighs> We are out, out of, of touch, touch with our points on this uh, in this particular you're, round. Here. You're out of touch. You're out of points. Oh, on this particular... you're out of touch. You're out of touch. Okay. Oh, oh, I never would have gotten that lyric from that song, even though I can. Yeah. I can picture the chorus now, but no, I would never have gotten those words. Off the 1984 album Big Bam Boom, the lead single of that album, as a matter of fact, and John Oates says that he came up with the chorus randomly playing on a synthesizer that he didn't know how to play, but kind of just came up with that melody. And originally he thought it would be for the stylistics because it had kind of a Philly sound, but their producer recommended that they cut it themselves. And that's how it uh, came together. So out of touch, out of points, but that's okay. All right, movies. Movies, and we still do have the five-point option available to us. So this is a big one. Come it's on, the DJ. only point option available to us. That's DJ, another way of can, saying it. If you can get this right, I take back everything I ever said about you. Here we go. Including Movies. all the good stuff? No, especially the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what American comedy duo, and we are talking famous duos here, made over 30 films together, starring in such comedies as Who Done It in the Navy, and the naughty 90s. Oh, okay, okay, interesting. So film duos, they they starred in over how many films? We give it to you one more time. American comedy duo, over 30 films together. They starred in such comedies as Who Done It? In the Navy and the naughty 90s. Okay, if so... I am correct, this is probably an older duo. I, I think this is a duo who went from silent film to the talkies. And in the era of silent films, films were produced much more quickly and they were shorter. And so you could get tons of them out. And the naughty 90s would probably refer to the 1890s. So I am thinking it is one of the classic American duos, Laurel and Hardy. That was my first thought, too. Oh, I went in a different direction. And and they actually, um, I forget their first names, but I believe that Laurel, who was the... Oliver and Stanley. Oliver, yes, I believe that uh, Stanley, the tall, thin one 
actually went to a school with Charlie Chaplin. There was some kind of a connection there. And their films are brilliant. And they have mm-hmm. all kinds of, you know, the one that I'm thinking of is Flying Flying Deuces, where they both, Ollie has his heart broken and he joins, they join the French Foreign Legion in order to forget. And so that's sort of thematically the same, you know, along with it, in the Navy and all that. So I would go I'm with gonna, Laurel and Hardy. I'm going to throw yeah. out a counterpoint. You guys okay. can reject it. But the first thing that came to my mind was Abbott and Costello. That's another good contender, but I think that they were a little later and I they think were. That, so when you're talking about the 90s, that yes. makes sense for Laurel and Hardy. But for some reason, like in the Navy and, you know, they, they the writers wouldn't pick, you know, all of the werewolf meets Frankenstein, whatever the titles that are more popular for Abbott and Costello. They might pick something in the Navy is famous, but it's not a giveaway. Like the I, yeah, Frankenstein right. stuff, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, whatever all that stuff was about. So I don't know. So I thought about Abbott and Costello, um, but then I had the same line of logic that Omen did about the naughty 90s, because I can't think of anyone else that would have been in a film that would make that reference with that, other than Laurel and Hardy. I, I think that Abbott and Costello are too late. I can specifically remember a film of theirs that I have seen where it involves them destructively taking apart a Model T Ford or, you know, one of those really early cars. It's very referential to that era. That's cool. I yeah, really, I'll I, give you that the time period definitely makes more sense for Laurel and Hardy who were earlier. So I think we should go five. Grand Pianos. Perfect. Wasn't that one of their more famous sketches where the, they had to take the piano up all the flights of stairs? Probably. Let's go five grand pianos on Laurel and Hardy. Here we go. We've got famous duos as our theme here in round number two. And the category movies. What American comedy duo made over 30 films together starring in such comedies as Who Done It, In the Navy, and The Naughty 90s? For the remaining five-point option, you guys say Laurel and Hardy. The answer, Abbott and Costello. No! <laughs> I knew they were in the Navy. I, that's the one that that's the one that stuck out. Oh God. Oh. So what nineties so, were they referencing in in the nineties? It was a historical throwback. It was their period piece. It was their period piece. Why Golly. didn't you trust my instinct on Abbott and Costello instead of Montana? I was so because I was so desperate. <laughs> to to get something right i wanted to contribute i had i had emotional attachment to my own knowledge and as so frequently is the case hubris was indeed my downfall wow omen tell us about your mother (laughs) um but yeah no and and if if who's on first had been listed in those titles you probably would have very easily gotten it as abbott and costello but of course Our writing team made it a little trickier than that. So, all right, that takes us to the final question of the game. It's a multi-part question. It's also the only question today that our team can lose points on. The trivia team can decide to wager either five points or zero points. No risk, no reward. On this final question, they have to get every portion of the final correct in order to earn the points they may wager. And if they miss any portion of the final question, making it incorrect, then they lose what they wagered. It is a multi-part question, so we will give them five minutes to decide on their answer. It's like you get one minute for each point that you might wager. Before we get to the final question, I'll let the trivia team know that their average final score up until this point through the first 34 games that we've ever played has been 20.1 points out of a total possible 30 points. Right now, you all have seven points. (laughs) 
So be sure to keep that in mind when deciding on whether or not to wager your five possible points. Okay? All right, just breaking in here with a editor's note. We here at the Last Call Trivia Podcast have not had to do this before, and hopefully we won't have to do it again, but totally my bad. Made a bit of a uh, bookkeeping error last episode. Failed to update the old trusty Excel spreadsheet. So the final score was actually 15 during the previous episode. Better than what I told our team, and we'll endeavor to not ever have to do this again, but thus concludes our editor's note. So here it is. I would like you, please, to place the ranks of nobility in order from highest to lowest, according to the British peerage system. Ranks of nobility in order from highest to lowest, according to the British peerage system. I'm going to give them to you in an A, B, C, D fashion. And then you guys give them back to me in that order as prescribed. Baron, Duke, Earl, Viscount. Okay, this is interesting and fun, just like the rest of this game. Um, I believe that Duke is probably near the top because you can be the Duke of Edinburgh. I mean, some of the princes are also are also dukes. It's a it's a very very high ranking position. I, I recommend putting that at the top. Um, Agreed. By contrast, I think that Viscount is lower. I believe that the prefix of Vi or Vis, spelled V-I-S, is a diminution of count. And I'm fairly certain that almost anyone can be a count if you own enough land. So I think it's a little bit of a backdoor nobility. I could be pretty wrong on that, but I, I think I think a Viscount is, a, is sort of a, a lower-ranking count. And then Baron is left. So where would you place that? And, and Duke. Uh, and Earl. Oh, sorry, and Earl, yes. I think Baron is right above... I think Earl is after Duke. And Baron is below Earl. Uh, have we, can we think of any famous Earls? Earl the Grey. Earl of Sandwich. And, and Earl Sandwich. Grey was a legitimate person. Do you yeah. know why I would put them in that order, Duke and Earl, first and second? Why, why? Because of Duke of Earl. Duke, Duke, no, Duke, Duke of Earl. Duke, Duke, Duke of Earl. Duke. Oh, goodness. Uh, because of the Wizard of Oz. If I were the king of the forest. When the cowardly lion sings the song, you know, oh, just, I were the king okay. of, the forest, of the forest, not prince, not duke, not earl. Oh, you think that the writers put it already in yeah. the, yes. in the, that, wow, that's a great reference, system. Yeah, I, I think should, them in order. We should listen to her on this, Omen. We should <laughs> really <laughs> listen to her. I have never not listened to Kelly ever. <laughs> DJ, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, so we're thinking, so we're thinking Duke, Earl, Baron, Viscount. Now, yes. it is possible that I have just totally fabricated this whole Viscount situation. And it could be that the prefix is oh, like... Oh, man, if you were going to fabricate any situation, it would be the Viscount situation. <laughs> well, my, the, reason, the reason I'm thinking of the, of the Count situation is because of the book, The Count of Monte Cristo. That book has a lot to do with the various nobilities and the various statuses of people in, admittedly, French society. But as you mentioned, you know, the British stole a lot of their culture from the French. 
um, or adapted. And, you know, there's some reference to somebody being like, oh, well, you know, he's not really that rich. You know, he just he was just rich enough to buy this random tiny rock in the in the Mediterranean. And he says that he owns it. And so now he's made himself a count. Of course, he is, in fact, fabulously wealthy. But um, that's what makes me think that it's a lower rank. Baron, Baron Rothschild, the Red Baron, Baron like my womb. You can have a barony, which which you know encompasses land holdings, right? And you would levy taxes, and and it's bestowed. You get a barony right. bestowed upon you. So I do think I think it's I think we're right. I think it's from top to bottom: duke, earl, baron, viscount. All right, I think we should lock it in, Kelly. I agree, and I think we should wager the points. So James, I think we should I think we should bet all five points. I think we should bet five taxation rights on top to bottom: duke. Earl Baron Viscount. Okay, we're locking again, and we're, we're betting the five points, so here we go. I gave them to you as such. Baron, Duke, Earl, Viscount. And the challenge is to place those ranks of nobility in order from highest to lowest, according to the British peerage system. You guys said that it should be Duke, Earl, Baron, Viscount. The answer, Duke, Earl, Viscount, Baron. (laughs) Apparently, Omen fabricated the Viscount situation. (laughs) He fabricated the Viscount situation, man. Wow. It wouldn't be the first time. (laughs) Very, very much so. Um, So... Look, a rough one on this particular episode. What can I say? Um, the last call trivia team's final score today was two out of a total possible 30 points. We're so sorry. But thank you. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in for the show. If you enjoyed it, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share today's episode. If you share the episode and another person listens to it, that's two people listening to it, just like the points that the team got on today's episode. So, if you're looking for more trivia fun, head over to lastcalltrivia.com and check out our live shows, private events, trivia card game, and more. We'll be back next week, as far as we know, for another episode of the Last Call Trivia Podcast. Until then, stay curious. Okay, so fun story about The Count of Tuscany. The Count of Tuscany is a song by um, progressive rock band Dream Theater. And it is about, you know, meeting this cool guy in Italy. The lyrics read, Several years ago in a foreign town far away from home, I met the Count of Tuscany, and a young eccentric man bred from royal blood, etc., etc. And um, one of my good friends here in Santa Fe is a sommelier. She works in a, a really high-end wine shop, and she gets people coming in from all over the world, you know, bringing, selling their wines. And this guy came in, this older, fabulous gentleman from Italy, and they got they got chatting, uh, and he was displaying some of his finest wines. And it turns out that this guy is called the Count of Tuscany. And my friend is really familiar with, uh, with Prague Rock, and she was like, oh, did you, you know, did somebody name you that after the Dream Theater song? And he said, no. Actually, I met Dream Theater when they came to Italy, and they wrote that song about me. <gasps> oh wow. my gosh! <laughs> and I, you know, it's just hard. It's hard seeing other people live out your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, speaking of living out your dreams, I have a fun story about uh, Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> Great. So this is something to which, you know, Omen would aspire. No, uh, Clyde was in prison one of, I think, the several times he was in prison. And he concocted this plan. He was in a very hard prison environment and he either wanted to get transferred to a lighter prison environment or he wanted to avoid the hard labor that came with being in this particular prison. And so his plan was to take an ax and cut off, it was either one or two of his own toes. And he thought that by mutilating himself, he would avoid the hard labor or possibly be transferred to this easier going prison. Solid logic. Solid plan. He went through with it. He cut off his own toes. What he didn't realize, you know, timing is everything. He didn't realize that simultaneously his mother was lobbying the governor for parole and she got it. And like two days after he cut off his own toes, he was released because his mother's petition was successful. But for the rest of his life, he had that limp from where he had cut off his own toes. Well, you know, it's always good to have a backup plan. (laughs) Please remember to like, subscribe, and... Share! Thank you, Kelly. This episode with your friends. Remember, you're always a welcome part of the team at the Last Call Trivia Podcast. Golly, gee whiz. That was Um, rough.